Okay, so let's jump into this sermon series, Revenant. You've got uh, the uh, definitions there. It's not, not a word you use a lot in, in the normal course of your day, right? But one who has returned as if from the dead. And so this morning I want to introduce you to the first of our revenants that I'm uh, going to be preaching about in this uh, sermon series, all right? And it's Jonah. Okay, so let's read a few scriptures. There's actually three chapters worth. If you go to the Sunday's page, it'll link you to all three chapters and you read that whole story. It's a really great little story to read. I don't have time to read three chapters, so I've kind of selected some verses here just to kind of make sure you get the gist of the story. So let's read together. Now the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, now we're going to read on a few more things here. Let me, let me just interject right here. Because... I know there's some people, and maybe there's not any sitting here today, but they want to cock their head a little bit, little, little sly smile and say, you really believe that, preacher? You really believe this whole story about a man in a fish's stomach for three? Let me, let me tell you how it is with me, okay? I've pretty much got two options. I can believe that there is a God who created this whole universe, the amazing universe, that he put planets and moons and stars in, in, in their place, and then he put them in motion. And he sent them in motion. They're swirling around each other, and they're spinning on their own axis. And, and, and you know, the, the moon is just the perfect distance from the earth so that the tides and the stirring of the water, so the waters of the oceans don't get stagnant. You know, and, and we have you know, just everything perfect that he never had to touch it again. That I can believe that there's a God like that that created all this. He created this, this miracle that is the human body. I mean, just if you look at the intricate de details of, of who we are and how we're formed, you know, I can believe on one hand, I can believe that there's a God who created all of this set it all in motion and it's still just functioning and getting, I, I can believe in a God like that. And if I believe in that God, then I also have to believe that if he is able to create this whole universe, if he's able to create this body, he's also able to heal these bodies. And, and, and he did back in the Old Testament, even, even bringing people, and some people say, well, you believe that about bringing people back to life? If he created life, if I'm going to believe he create life, then yeah, I'm going to believe that he can bring it back, you know, if he wants to. You know, and, and then when Jesus came, he did the same, and he healed many people that was here, and then he died on the cross for my sin. If I'm gonna believe that there's a God that could create all of this universe, then, then I've gotta believe he can do that. And then on the third day, he got up. Because if he could create life in me, then he goes into a body that dies on the third day. If he can do that for me, then he can get up himself too, right? I, I've got to believe that if I'm gonna believe any of that. If I'm gonna believe that there's a God that created all this, I've gotta believe that he's a God that yes, can even take care of a man in a, fish, a fish's belly for three days. I can either believe that or I can believe all of this stuff that has happened is an accident. So, and let me tell you, I've, I've studied this a good bit. I don't mean this week. 
I mean, all of my ministry. And not just so that I could preach. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I've had some doubts too. We all have doubts. And you need to admit your doubts so that you can go get the truth. And I've studied this, and and if you've got any doubts whatsoever, I would love to have a conversation with you, whether it's over coffee or texting and emails or whatever. I would love to have a conversation with you and just tell you, because here's where I've come to, is it takes a whole lot more faith to look at everything that has been created and say, this happened by accident, than to believe that there was a creator that did this by divine design. And that's where I'm at. And so, yeah, I believe all of this happened. And I believe about the, I believe the awesome example that is there as well. So we go on, and so God arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah up. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from inside the fish. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Really beautiful picture here, isn't it? Spit him out on the beach. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop their evil ways, he changed his mind, and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Okay, I, I, heard, I heard somebody kind of laying it out this way a long time ago. So let, let, me, let me set a couple things things up for you because there's, there's some extra details here that, that maybe aren't in the story that we just need to think about. And one of the things is the Ninevites, they had a lot of gods. I mean, they, you know, they, they also believed in a fish god named Dagon. Okay. You know, so, so just think about that for a moment. And then, then Jonah, he's in this, this fish's belly for three days. The stomach acids in the fish's belly have pretty much digested every single hair off of his entire body, okay? No, no eyebrows or eyelashes or anything. His skin is bleached white from those same stomach acids. He must, he must stink to the high heavens, you know, after being in the middle of all that he's been in for the last three days. And then this fish spits him up out on the, uh, out on the beach. He comes, he comes out of the water. He comes out of that fish's belly, soaking wet, not a hair on his body, bleached white, and he says, 40 days and Nineveh is gonna be destroyed. What would you do what would you do you know I wish I could tell you that story just quite that cute you know funny and so because but alas Nineveh is not right on the beach it's not right there uh, where he could come right out and they would see him and say oh no Dagon has come it wouldn't be exact but perhaps they heard the story Perhaps they knew this, this, this man that was entering on his way, and we've heard he's coming this way. You know what? I heard he was in the belly of a, of a fish for three days, and, and, and when he got there, and he still smelled, and he still stunk, and they saw all of this. You know, I don't really know how much of that whole story they knew, but here's what we know, is that Jonah's experiences prepared him for what he was called to do. It so impacted him that he added an entirely new dynamic to the story of what was about to happen in Nineveh. You know, whether he, you know, you know, God could have protected him from stomach acids, okay? Yeah, so maybe he wasn't bleached white, but if he was bleached white, um, that had to have an impact on people. You know, he didn't have any hair, he didn't have any eyebrows or anything, you know? That had to have an impact on people. Whatever had happened in that time, was a dynamic that had changed the whole story. 
And, and it, maybe he was, he was even angrier at the cause. You know, these people were living right. God wouldn't be upset and want to destroy them. And so he wouldn't have called me to send me over there. And, and I wouldn't have tried to go in the other direction. And, and God wouldn't have, you know, had me thrown over a boat and into the belly of a fish and all this and all that. He could be more angry at them. If so, God used that. Or he could because he had to repent. Maybe he's more solemn now than he was. Whatever, God used that. Whatever had happened, whatever had transpired, the experiences that had happened to Jonah changed the dynamics of his purpose and how he was going to now impact the city of Nineveh. Your experiences, and some of them, I know you cuss, curse, whatever. Maybe you don't cuss, but you curse. You know, you, you just say, God, just get this thing out of my life. And maybe you don't use any cuss words, but you curse it. You just say, this thing is bad. It's from the devil and whatever. But these experiences that you have in your life, they are preparing you for the awesome thing that God has for you to do for him. Every one of them. You know, the story of Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph, you know that one? That story of Joseph, and you think about it, when you get to the end of the story, if you know the story, I mean, he had all these bad things happen to him, things that his own family did to him, and in people that he had served, people that he had been trustworthy to, and, and they had turned on him, they had done all these evil things to him, but at the end he said, but, but which would I go back and change, basically, big paraphrase here, but what could I go back and change, because all of those things got me ready for this, and I, so, so you listen. You may feel like there's been a whole lot of bad that has happened in your life. You may even feel like you have messed up. Maybe your family's, maybe you've done it to yourself. And you feel like, you feel like, you know, it's over with you. You know, that ship has sailed. You know, it's done. But you're a revenant. Is that God is bringing you back as well. Because the question is not if you have something to, awesome to do for God. The question is if you're going to step up to the plate and you're going to fulfill your divine purpose that God has called you to. And you may feel like, yeah, it's over. I, I've done too much bad. Have you done as bad? Jonah bought a ticket to sail 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Nineveh was about four or 500 miles from where, from where he was at when he got the call, and he was going to sail 2,500 miles. He was, gonna be three, he was trying to get 3,000 miles away from God's will for his life. Have you gone that far? If you ain't gone that far, then Jonah should be a testimony to you that if God can do it to Jonah, if God can rescue, if God can bring Jonah back, if God can renew his purpose, then he can do it in you as well. You are a revenant today. It's that God has brought you, already, he has already brought you out. He has already started making out of you what it is that he has decided. And, and, and I know, uh, you know, I kind of wish the, the, the lights were just turned around just a little bit, you know, instead of you guys seeing my face better, I'd love to see your faces because I know some of you saying, just don't know about it. You, you just don't know what I've done, Pastor. But you're a revenant. God hasn't given up. Did you hear that song? Oh, that we sang just a few moments ago. Did you, oh, I, I, I'm going to mention it again in a minute. So, so, so let me go on to this next step. Okay, because Jonah, with his purpose, you know what he did? He said no to God, which was ignoring his purpose. Okay, that's what he did. And that's what we do. When we say no to God, we're ignoring our purpose. Here's the problem with ignoring your purpose. First of all, ignoring your purpose is hard work. You know, it, 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 when, when we know that there's something in our lives that we must be doing, and we don't really want to do it, we will work harder to not do it than we would have worked to just do it the right way the first, the first time. 
I mean, think about it, right? You know, when, I, I, like, I like to tinker with stuff. I like to work on things. And you know, when I start trying to say, well, you know, I could go to Lowe's and get one more part, or let me see if I can fix this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend about another hour or so trying to fix it with what I got that doesn't really work, and then still have to go back to Lowe's and get what really works. Then I got to take that other thing off and put that on and still spend just as much time or even more time. That's, you know, that's the way it is in our life, right? Is that when, when we know that we need to do something, we say, ah, just, let me, let me see if I can find my own way of doing this. We end up, because we're made in a certain way. And God has called us to a certain purpose. When you ignore your purpose, it gets expensive too. You see, Jonah went and found, now this ship didn't pull up in his backyard and say, hey, you want to you you go to Tarshish? He had to go find it. Instead of going to Nineveh, he had to go find a ship, and then he found the ship. They didn't let him on for free. He had to buy a ticket. He paid to go against his purpose. It's going to cost you more. It's going to be more expensive. It's going to be a lot more hard work, and it's going to bring storms into your life. Because when you know what you're really supposed to do, and you don't do it, and you try to find your own way, and you say, well, yeah, that sounds good, pastor, but, and you're reading the scripture, you say, yeah, that sounds good, but, and you try to find your own way. When you try to find your own way, all the stuff that you're trying to bring into your life because you want it to be the way you want it to be, that stuff that you bring into your life is not part of your purpose. This stuff that you, you really know it's not, and you bring it in, and you know what it becomes? It becomes speed bumps, potholes, detours, obstacles. Whenever we try to do things the way that is outside of our purpose and how we were built and how we designed, and and some people want to call it fate or destiny, however God has destined you to be, and we bring all these other things in, these things just get in our way. They make it harder, they make it more expensive, and these things are the storms many times that we have in our lives. They bring storms in, and it won't get you where you need to be. Ignoring your purpose never gets you where you need to be or even where you want to be. I mean, if you, are, if you really want something to work out, you can't go against your purpose. You have to follow your purpose if you want to be something specific, even if, you, even if it's your thing. You know, here, here, this is like Jonah. Jonah said, you know, he, he's here and he hears, go to Nineveh. No, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm, I'm going to Tarshish. So he's wanting to go to Tarshish. He can't get to Tarshish. He can't get to, to Tarshish. He doesn't get there. Even the places that we think we want, ignoring your purpose will not get you there. Okay, so, so everybody who's been ignoring their purpose, maybe because you're using the excuse that you've done too many bad things and God couldn't use you anymore. That you've done too many bad things even just this week. And you wish that you could sing like us. But you can. Because those words that we just sang, the words that, that Jamie, Jamie reminded us of that said, said that Even in our sin, yes, even then, he shed his blood for me. And every person sitting here today can sing those words. You can sing these words with us. And I love, I love the analogy that this whole picture gives us. I love this because just like Jonah, when I'm disobedient, when I'm rebelling, when I'm running from God, when I'm ignoring my purpose, when I'm doing everything I shouldn't do, what does he do but he gives us a big old fish to swallow us up? Well, that don't sound like mercy. Oh, wait wait a minute here. Just think about it for a moment, okay? Let's draw the picture just a little bit more. 
And just like Jonah when I'm rebelling, when I'm running, and, and, I, and I begin to drown in my own poor decisions and swallowed up by all the circumstances of my life, what does God do? But instead of letting him drown, he provides him a place. It may not look like the place you wanted to be in. It may not look like that, but still God provided a pl- to protect him, to keep him, to enable him to take some time to just, isn't it, isn't it crazy that we rebel, we run, we do everything, everything but follow after God. And what does he do? God, he just gives us this crazy protection and even provision for us. Because of his crazy love for us. That, that other song that we sang this morning was, his, his love is, what? Furious. That, that even, even though we are running as fast as we can away from God, his love is running even faster. Oh, wow. His love, as strongly as we're fighting against the calling that God is putting on our life, yet his love is even more furious to fight for us. And that, that even though we're turning our back on him and going our own ways, that, that, that what he does is he still, he still believes in us. He still wants to rescue us. And instead of letting us drown in our own mistakes and poor decisions, what does he do? But he protects us until the moment that we say, I'm ready now, God. And like a revenant, he pulls us back as if from the dead. And he gives Gives us, renews our purpose again. You know, uh, the, 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 reason, the reason he had to keep running, once he started running, he, he couldn't stop, was because he wasn't running from Nineveh. He was running from his destiny. You see, here, here, he had a purpose, a destiny to tell people about God. To tell people that if they, if they didn't want to follow God's way, there would be judgment. And in that destiny and purpose, Nineveh fit in there. But the destiny, the purpose was not in Nineveh. The purpose is right here. You can't run from your purpose. It follows you. It dogs you. It keeps you up at night. It digs at you. It says, things aren't right. Things aren't right. You don't have to have anybody else tell you that. You know things aren't right in your life. And you, you're thinking it's just you, but it's not just you. It's your purpose inside of you saying, it's not fulfilling yet, is it? No. It's empty still, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Because you're trying to run from your purpose, and you have a purpose, and your number one purpose is to have, is to have such a relationship with God that you and he, you are in constant communion. That is your number one purpose, is to be connected to him. And if you're not, if you're not connecting with him, then you're, you're, you're feeling that because it's running, it's right in here. You can't leave it. You can't run from it. You can't, you can't get on a boat and travel 2,500 miles from your purpose because your purpose is going to go with you because it's in here. And finally, finally, when Jonah, when Jonah finally decided, I'm going to fulfill my purpose. He went to Nineveh and he told them, 40 days and God is going to destroy this city because of its wickedness. And what did they do? We read it just a few moments ago. They repented. When Jonah finally fulfilled his purpose, he changed the destiny of an entire city. An entire city. One man. One man fulfilling his purpose changed the destiny of an entire city. What could 200 and something people do? that would decide to embrace their purpose. What would God do in North Jefferson County with 200 people who have decided to embrace their purpose?
And some of you live outside of there, don't you? What would God do if just the people in this room decided, I am going to not just embrace it and acknowledge it, but I'm going to fulfill my purpose? What could God do with you? What could God do with us? What kind of destiny? What kind of, what, what, what kind of life-altering changes could God make to the future of the people outside of this room if just the people in this one room fulfilled their calling and their purpose? But we've got dozens of excuses, scores of excuses, hundreds of excuses. It's just not real convenient right now. And so what do we do? Like Jonah, we go find something more inconvenient. Come on. We do. Well, I just don't have the money right now to even buy gas to be able to go be a part of it, you know, but... We'll find something else to spend our money on. I mean, we've got excuses. And they don't hold water. They don't hold water. We know they're just excuses to keep us from fulfilling. You know, most, most people, are that, they're that way. It's like, there's coming a day when I will be ready and I will have time and I'll have gas money and I'll have this. and I'll, There's coming a day and when that day arrives, when, you know, when all of my problems are over and nobody is, you know, nobody is calling for all of my time and I don't have any kids to watch and, you know, and I don't have any grass to cut, and what, then I'll fulfill my purpose. Isn't that the way we talk? And churches are the same way. You know why? Because churches are full of us. If we're talking about that with our life, we're talking about that as the church. As the church, you know, there's coming a day where we'll have enough people and we'll have enough money to fulfill the purpose that God has given us. How many churches have you heard? How many churches have you watched die saying those things? There's coming a day. I am so glad God has not purposed us to be such a church. I, I am so glad. You see, see, most churches say, well, you know, it's getting kind of full. We're going to have to do something. Man, 29-11, we don't wait till we have to do something. We're looking for the opportunity to do something. We were in our old little building. We went to three services just to run 200-something people. I meant about 200 different people every Sunday on three services. You know, that was killing some people. I meant three services. I, man, I loved it. I got to go to worship three times. I said, I got to, you know, if it was a good song, I, I knew it. Man, we'll get here two more times today. We'll get to sing it one, two more times. It was, it, it was really killing some people to be able, because the, the congregation was smaller than it is now. But you know what we were doing? We didn't do it when we had to. We did it as soon as we had enough people to go to this because we wanted to reach more people. That's why we're going to keep doing it now, too. You see, there's some people that, there's some churches that would have been happy to stay in our old building and just do the best we could right there, you know, and just say, let's, let's don't stretch ourselves. There's coming a day we can stretch ourselves. That's what a lot of people think. And that's the way a lot of people would have been. But that's not 2911. And what would have happened if we'd have stayed there? Oh, I look back now and I see so many things that have happened. And I said, that... That was never God's plan for us to stay in that little bit. We knew that immediately. I mean, that's one of the first things we said about our church is we are not defined by a building. And some of you have heard that for a long time. That's where it came from. We've now adapted it to this building we're in, 
But it came from that little building back there that that's not who we are. Just that building does not define who we are. And, it, and this building does not define who we are. And one service does not define who we are. None of these things define. We have, to keep, we have to keep making progress. And not making progress when we have to. We need to make progress as soon as we can. That, that's the attitude of someone who says, I have a purpose to fill in. As soon as I can get to this, we're going to get to it. We're going to do it. A lot of churches would have been happy to stay there pay all the bills, have extra money coming in. Man, we can fund another, another this, another that, have another dinner, you know, pay for it, all that. We can do all those kinds of things, but not 2911. And you jumped on the opportunity to come to the Civic Center. And just like you jumped on that opportunity, we're about to jump on another opportunity. But you jumped on that opportunity to come to the Civic Center. And, and, and just before I ask you to come forward this morning, as we, we all close around front, I want to ask you to do something. We, we, we don't do anything to embarrass people, okay? And this is not going to, I just want to ask you to do something really, really quick for me, okay? We don't ever ask people to stand up if you're brand new or anything, but I want to ask people, if you have started attending 2911 since we moved to the Civic Center, maybe you visited over there, but you've started attending since we've been in the Civic Center, I want to ask you, would you stand up? How many, two or three of you? How many of there are you? Wow. Wow. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Stay there with me just for a second, just before you move. I wanted you to see that. I wanted you to see that because I wanted you to know that step of faith from that little building to here enabled these people to be with us. And now it's time to take another step of faith. Would you join me at the front? If you're a first time attender, we'd like to close around front with a final song and prayer. Don't hurry away, we got something special. Don't hurry away, but, but please come and join us. Let me say to you that if you're sick, now I'm not going to remind you again, probably, but if you're sick, you need to come let some of these people that have been praying for my mom to pray with you because they don't have any power in and of themselves. They just know the God that does. And they obviously have been in touch with him recently. So if you're sick in body, if you've got a financial need, if you've you, you, you got a, a need in your home of any kind of what, work, whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm not going to talk about that in these next few moments, but that doesn't mean I don't want you to come pray. They're standing here. They're ready, waiting for you to pray, okay? So if you've got a need, be a big, be a big boy, be a big girl. You know, be an adult. Say, I, I'm still going to go get my need met, even though Pastor talked about something else these last couple of moments. Here's the reason I preached this message. I felt led to preach this message at the beginning of this Revenant series, is this is to us. This is to us Revenants who know the power of, of God bringing us back as if from the dead. And it's to remind us, you, you know what Jonah's great sin was? You know why he didn't want to go to Nineveh? He didn't want anybody else to know God. You read the story, read the rest of the story and you'll see. He was mad when they repented. He didn't want anybody else. Now, this past week I heard, I didn't know about it, somebody mentioned it to me yesterday. This past week I heard about a, a pastor who's all, in all kinds of hot water because he said, he said people, people are selfish when they don't want their church to grow. Now, he said, he said it a little different way. That's really what he meant. But he said it a little different way. Now he's in all kinds of hot water because he didn't say it exactly like he really meant it. Okay? And maybe he got a little too passionate. And you know what? I wish I could say I've never gotten too passionate, said a little more than God wanted me to say, and gotten myself in trouble, but I have. 
But his message was this. If you don't want your church to grow, you're selfish. That's, that's what his message was. And you know what? That's the message to Jonah today. He didn't want anybody else to know about God. He did not want those people to know about God because they were not his people. And God has not called us to that. God has called us to reach every single person we can. That's why he's left you here. And so if that's not what you're going to do for him, he might as well just kill you right now and take you on to heaven because you're here to, you're here to reach somebody else. That's why he's left you here. To raise your kids to know Jesus and to tell your coworkers and people you go to school with about Jesus. That's why he's left us here. And so three weeks from today is our anniversary at 2911. And you know, it's on a different date every week. Does anybody know, every year, does anybody know why? Because we don't tie it to a date, we tie it to Easter. We launched on Easter 2009, and so we tie it to that. So it's different every week. Three weeks from today, we're starting a nine o'clock service. We've, we, every year at Easter, we've done an, uh, even here, we've done an extra service because that way people have crowds. Also, some people love coming to church earlier, especially on Easter. They can beat all the rest of the people to restaurants, you know, if they get here at nine o'clock, you can get there and get, you didn't think about that, did you? <laughs> One more good reason for nine o'clock, right? But we're doing this, but here's the reason. This year's theme is next, right? Every one of us are looking for the next. I gotta do more, I've got, I'm called to do more than just what I'm doing next, and this church has been too. And we're starting this next service to reach the next 250 that need to be at 2911 and need to have this prayer team pray for them and need to be in your small groups so that you can minister to them, you can bless them, you can challenge them. This is why we're doing it. So here, 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 here's really why I'm closing with this today, is this is the challenge. Just like with Jonah, you've got some people that need to know about Jesus. Bring them. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach, preach the resurrection on Easter Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and at 1030. I'm going to preach that sermon as, as part of the Revenant series. Okay? I'm gonna, uh, life reclaimed, a life again. I'm going to preach that again on that morning. So you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus? Man, it's so easy. You don't have to, if you don't feel comfortable sharing the gospel with them, you don't have to. All you got to do is get them to come to church on Easter because pastor's going to share that with them. And you may, you, you may say, well, that's hard. No, no, no. Easter is one of the easiest days to get people to come to church. Christmas season, but Easter, that one day. And, and, and you've heard, we've said it before, you've heard it. There's still, there's still uh, surveys going on out there, polls going on out there. Your friends who do not go to church, your family members who do not go to church, most of them say if they were asked by a friend, they would come. So no excuses. No Jonas today. Maybe former Jonas, but not anymore. We're not going to be mad. We want somebody else to know Jesus Christ. We want somebody else to repent. We want somebody else to receive the fullness that we're beginning, just beginning to receive within us. We want that. So I'm challenging you today. And this week, I ask the, I'm going to ask the graphics team to post it a lot the next three weeks, announcements of, of reminders of the Easter and the Revenant series and, and the new service time. And, and man, like that, share that. Put, keep putting it out there. Email it to somebody that needs to hear it. Tag someone that needs to know. And, and then, then later ask them, invite them, and, and, and invite them. And if, and if they won't, if say, I don't know, tell them you'll take them out to eat after church. And, and if you don't have the money, I'll, I, I, I'll 
pay for their meal. You know, we'll buy a mistake. You're just saying, we're going to bribe people to come to church. Hey, whatever it takes to get somebody to, out of a devil's hell for eternity, I'll do it, okay? If God's given me $15 to buy somebody a steak and he'll get somebody to come to church on Sunday, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And when you do that, you're just telling them, this is how important it is to me. I'm willing to take you out to lunch because I want you to be at church. Do whatever it takes. I want to pray over you right now. I want to pray over you that you quit ignoring your purpose. God has put you in somebody's life for some purpose. And as Jamie starts leading this final song, I want you, please, if you've got a need, come let us pray for you today. Father.